An important part of our need and desire to seek God in prayer comes out of challenges we face, like intense pressure, overwhelming trials, and unrelenting attacks. This is the fifth message in the series, How Prayer Changes Things. The message is entitled, Restore Me. You ready to study God's Word? All right. Uh, you can download the MyCOR app, by the way, if you haven't done that already. It's a great place to take notes, or you can take some notes on the back of uh, the bulletin, as you may have seen there. And as Pastor Dell reminded us, we're in this uh, series, How Prayer Changes Things. He started off at the beginning of the series by uh, teaching us about how in Scripture, in the story of Jacob, uh, God can change us. As we call on Him to do that, God really does want to work the inside of us first and foremost. Then we, we talked about praying a remember us, strengthen us, bless us kind of prayer, different prayers as uh, Jessica, Sam Mitchell, and last weekend, Justin McAuliffe did a great job teaching us through those points of prayer. And today, as Pastor Dale mentioned, we're going to talk about the, the prayer that we can all pray, restore us. And we're going to look at a great story that involves an Old Testament prophet named Elijah. Anybody remember Elijah? We're going to look at a story in 1 Kings 19 about Elijah and a major challenge in his life that he faced. And we can learn from what Elijah faced because so many of the times that we turn to God for prayer that we, we know we need to seek Him in prayer is when we face major challenges in our lives. Have you ever been in situations like this? Intense pressure, overwhelming trials, unrelenting attacks, anybody? <laughs> Just a few of you. This is what happens as you go through life in this, in this fallen world, this broken world, this world full of sin in many respects. These are things that come after us and come at us. And we can learn from Elijah because he faced some of these things. And sometimes you, you get into these situations and you feel worn out, you feel wrung out. Sometimes you feel like, I just need to get out of this situation, get away from the challenges. And sometimes you feel like, boy, I don't even know about this life that's so challenging. And that's where Elijah was. It's an amazing thing to see where he came to, but also amazing to see what God did. And at some point, we, we all have situations like this because, and listen to me on this, even the strongest believer and the greatest servant of God, Elijah was a great servant of God, even the strongest believer and a servant, even like Elijah, can suffer at times and, and feel weak, defeated, and even depressed. And that's what I want to focus on here. This is what Elijah went through and oftentimes what we go through. In fact, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for the message, and I was wondering what the, the significance was of depression uh, through this, this time, the pandemic time. And it, it turned out to be very significant. Uh, the study that I looked at said before the pandemic in 2019, According to their study, 8.5% of the adult population in the United States said uh, they were suffering some form of depression, 85 In 2020, when the pandemic really hit, that number skyrocketed to 28% of Americans uh, who uh, were part of this survey. 28% said they're suffering, battling with some kind of depression. And then the next year, 2021, it actually went up more, went to 33%. Think about it. One out of three adults 
saying, I'm struggling with that. If we could take a survey here today, we would probably find something similar. Either you're struggling with that or you have struggled with that, or maybe you know family members who are going through some low points in their lives, really difficult times like that. That's where we find Elijah in 1 Kings 19. But before we look at his situation, what he went through, how prayer changed things for him, and what we can learn from him, let's set the background of his story from the previous chapter, 1 Kings 18. I'm just going to describe it to you. This was going on in Elijah's ministry in his life, and you'll see he had great victory in his ministry. Here's what happened. Uh, there were a bunch of prophets, 450 prophets of a pagan god called Baal. That's the Hebrew name. Would you say that with me? Baal. Say that one more time. Baal. We're learning a little Hebrew here today. That's the pagan god that these prophets worship, 450 of them. And uh, Elijah confronts them. He says, there's only one true God. Let's, let's have a contest here. He said, you guys built an alt, build an altar, put your sacrifice on there, call on the name of your God to answer with fire from heaven. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to build an altar, get a sacrifice here. I'm going to call on the name of the God of Israel, and we'll see which God answers by fire from heaven. They said, okay, let's do this. And so uh, let's, let's check these numbers again. Notice, how many prophets of Baal were there? Good, you guys are paying attention. That's great. How many prophets of the one true God? One. So here's the odds. 450 to one. They're not in Elijah's favor. Now, along with that, these prophets over here had the support and the encouragement of the king and the queen of Israel at that time. Their names were Ahab and Jezebel. They, they wanted these, these prophets to go out and, and promote this religion, this, this idol worship of Baal. They're on their side. So here's Elijah over here. He's standing for the Lord God Almighty. It's just him at this point. 450 prophets of Baal, the king and queen of Israel in support of them. But Elijah's taking a stand for the Lord. And he says, okay, do your best over here. What, what happened as, as this unfolds? Well, these prophets over here, the Bible says, they danced around. They called on Baal and say, Baal, answer us, answer us. And they did all kinds of, they, they cut themselves. And the Bible says the blood started flowing. They're doing strange stuff. And they're going uh, crazy trying to get Baal to answer. Nothing's happening. The Bible says Elijah's over here and he starts taunting them. He says, well, you know, maybe Baal is busy. Maybe he had to go to the restroom. He actually says something like that. And he just lets them go on and on, and nothing happens over here. Finally, he says, come on, everybody come over here. He builds his altar. He puts the, uh, the sacrifice there. And he also says, pour a bunch of water on it. Pour water all over the sacrifice. Let it overflow to the, the trench around here. And I'm going to call on my God. Let's see what happens. And he calls on the name of the Lord God of Israel, and of course, he answers by fire from heaven. The Bible says even the, the water around the trench was licked up by the fire that God sent. And all the people are watching this. They go, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they bow down and worship him. And Elijah says, that's exactly right. There's only one true God, and these prophets of Baal must be put to death. And the people put all the 450 prophets to death. I would call that a pretty good day of ministry. What do you think? A pretty good day for the Lord also. So <laughs> here's the thing. We're going to look at uh, 
our passage here, 1 Kings 19 in just a moment. Elijah went from this spiritual mountaintop to a valley of depression in a hurry. And this happens in our lives too. We're going to learn from him. But notice this. This is 1 Kings 19, the first five verses, then we'll read other verses in a little bit here. But notice what happened to Elijah. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. And he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Wow. (laughs) Did things change in a hurry for Elijah? He went from that mountaintop to that valley very quickly. And you know what? This happens to us as well. Have you ever had a situation where you felt like you're on top of things? Man, God God is at work. I feel like I'm walking with Him and everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, it's not. You get some bad news. You get something that really hits you right here. And suddenly, you're heading down. That's what happened to Elijah. You'll notice in verse 2 that I just read there, Elijah got some bad news. The queen, Jezebel, said, I'm going to kill you. That was the message that came to him. Elijah, because of what you did, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And I was reminded as I was reading that, uh, you remember in John 10.10, Jesus said this. He said, the thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. Steal and kill and destroy. It's like every day... The devil is sending a message and sending messengers to say to you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to steal from you. This is the attack that we're under spiritually every day. That's what Jesus said. And isn't that what happened to Elijah? He, he began to, to sense that and fear that. The Bible says he ran away afraid. Here's this great man of God. Remember, he had challenged all these prophets of Baal, taking a great stand boldly for the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he's running for his life. He's running out of fear from this queen, Jezebel. And he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. He actually said that. Take my life. And I can imagine Jezebel and the devil himself smiling, saying, we've got him right where we want him. But aren't you thankful that John 10.10 doesn't stop halfway where I left it. Notice this. Read this scripture with me. This is Jesus speaking. I want you to read this with some faith today because there's two parts to this verse. I read one part, but let's read the whole thing. By the way, it's good. It's good Bible study to read the whole verse. Get the whole picture. Let's read this together. You ready? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think we need to read that again. And when we get to that word life, let's really shout it out. This is what Jesus came to bring. Let's read it again. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to give us life? The devil, listen, the devil, every day the devil is trying to steal, take life from you. Jesus is pouring life into you. Every day the devil wants to steal hope. And Jesus wants to bring hope. And every day the devil wants to kick you and beat you and destroy you when you're down. But Jesus wants to lift you up and restore you. So important. This is why Jesus came. This is what he, he wants to do in your life and my life in counteraction, if you will, to the devil's agenda. And this is what we see at work in Elijah. He's fighting this kind of battle. So we can learn from him about the battle we fight as well. Let's pick up the story and see how prayer changed things for Elijah. This is 1 Kings 19, picking up in the second half of verse 5, where we left off. Now I'm going to read a number of verses here from Scripture. Is that okay if we read a bunch of verses from Scripture today? That'd be okay? Thanks. I was going to do it anyway, but I, I thought I'd ask you. And I'll read through it fairly quickly, but this gives you the whole picture, and we're going to draw some lessons from this. Okay. All at once, an angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a what? Gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I'm going to skip, skip this part because he says the exact same thing to the Lord again as if he missed it the first time. And then at the end here, it says, uh, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Avel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000, notice that, there's 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. There were others. We'll come back to that in just a moment here. But it's amazing how God responded to Elijah in prayer. Prayer changed things for Elijah. And, and I want you to notice, though, a, a couple of things about this. This is a clear picture 
This, this conversation between God and Elijah is a clear picture of what prayer is really all about. Prayer is simply talking with God. Would you say that with me? Prayer is simply talking with God. It's not a bunch of fancy words. It's not some religious uh, ritual kind of thing that we go through there. In, in fact, Elijah, Elijah is very real. He, he goes to God. The first point of prayer for Elijah says he was sitting down by that, that tree, and he, he was feeling like he wanted the Lord to take his life. He, he just opens up the conversation say, Lord, I'm done. I've had it. Take my life. That's prayer. <laughs> That's a conversation with a heavenly father about stuff you're struggling with. It's okay to go to God with the stuff you're struggling with. He wants to hear it. Why? Because he's a father who cares about his children. He wants to be in that conversation. He wants to hear from you. And even though he knows all things, he wants to be in that kind of relationship conversation. That's what prayer is all about. So we see that with Elijah. And he's, he's calling out to God and God's answering. He gives these heartfelt <laughs> cries, Lord, this is where I am. And God is hearing, God's responding, and God has a plan. And God broke through for Elijah through prayer in the midst of this depressive moment, and he restored him to a healthy and hope-filled perspective and plan. You notice God said, I got a plan. Elijah, get up and get going into this plan. I have more for you to do. I'm going to use you in a mighty way. We'll come back to that also. And in some ways, you say, well, that worked for Elijah. He's this great man of God and prophet of God. But I love what the Scripture says in the, in the book of James Chapter 5, verse 17, it makes a very simple statement, it says this, Elijah was the same kind of person as we are. Another way we could paraphrase that is to say Elijah was a human being. <laughs> Any human beings here today? Just a few. Some of you are like, uh, I don't know. We're all here made in the image of God, human beings, and Elijah was just like us, that's what it says. And if God answered him, listen to me, if God answered Elijah at a low, low moment, at a point of depression, at a point when he wanted to take his life, God will answer you. At your lowest moment, he's going to show himself and be faithful to you. That's what we're learning from Elijah. Two insights I wanted to to focus on here out of this story just very briefly of how God wants us to be, really position ourselves for him to restore us. Just two things here, very simply. First of all, we learn from Elijah that we, we need to, practically speaking, recognize when and how depressive thoughts and emotions come. Depressive thoughts and emotions. Elijah Again, he was very real. He's sharing here the thoughts and emotions he has. He's sharing them with God. We get insight into what's happening with him. And this happens to us also. And there's certain things that, if you will, trigger uh, these things for them I wanted to touch on here. Depressive thoughts and emotions often come when you're weary and under pressure. Elijah was weary and under pressure. He was, he was tired you ever been bone tired, you're physically tired, you're mentally tired, emotionally worn out? I'm just tired. 
that's what we see in Elijah. He, he was tired. And so, <laughs> because he was tired, he couldn't fight the way he did before. He had this great fight with the prophets of Baal. By the time he's done, he's, he's all wrung out and tired. And, and then Jezebel comes with this threat, and he runs from that. And this happens at times. You know what? It's okay, because we're human beings. And God recognizes this. And again, we, we take it to prayer, and God will, will work through that. But it's important to recognize. Oftentimes, when we're weary and under pressure, these kinds of things happen. Also, uh, they, they come, these thoughts and emotions come when you feel alone and isolated. Uh, you remember Elijah said to God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, there's 7,000. <laughs> Elijah, you're not, you're not the only guy. There's 7,000. But don't we do that sometimes in our own self-talk? I'm the only one. Nobody else goes through this like I do. Nobody's done the, the terrible things that I've done. That's another one. Am I the only one who has this conversation with myself? And God says, you know what? I understand, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that in a few minutes here. And one of Satan's tactics, of course, is to divide and conquer. He wants us to feel like we're isolated. Well, we're really not. We feel it, though. We feel it. And when we feel it, oftentimes the thoughts and emotions come and they take us down. Also, thirdly, you feel like giving up, like you can't go on. That's what Elijah said. He said, I've had enough. Have you ever said that? I've had enough. I'm bailing out. Maybe it's a situation at home. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's finances. I've had enough. I can't fight this battle anymore. Elijah understood that. He, he confessed that to God. God heard him. God responded. But fourthly, depressive thoughts and emotions often come when we lose sight of our value in God's eyes. We lose sight of our value. Here's what Elijah said. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Take my life. I'm no good. You can almost hear the echo of that. I'm no good. I'm not useful to you, God. I, I don't know what I could do. There's no purpose for me here. I'm done. And that's because he lost sight of his value in God's sight. Just for a moment here, let me use this simple illustration. These glasses are important to me because they help me to see you better. And there's a lot of good-looking people out there. So, you know, I want to keep these glasses in shape here and really see. Now, if, if I take them off, you become fuzzy. I'm just saying. You may, you may have come to church today with a, the greatest Sunday clothes ever, the greatest church clothes, but when I look out without the glasses, everything looks funny. You look disheveled. It's just, I, don't, I just don't see it. And uh, more to the point here, if I, if I look, if you will, in a mirror spiritually at who I am, and I don't have the proper glasses on, I see myself as, as just sort of fuzzy, disheveled, not what God created me to be, and I, and I miss out on exactly who I am in Him and in Christ. But if I take the, let's call these the glasses of God's grace, wouldn't you like to have some 
Glasses of God's grace. Glasses of God's grace. And I put those on. Now I look in the mirror. Say, you know what? I'm really valuable to God. I'm really important to Him. First of all, He created me in His image. In His image. That's where it all starts. He loved me so much, He made me in His image, brought me into this world with a purpose and a plan. Also, He sent His Son to die for me. For me. With all of my failures, all of my sins, everything I've done wrong, the kind of person I know I am deep down inside, God sent His Son to die for me? Are you kidding? I'm that valuable to God. And not only that, I can see with these glasses of grace, God has a purpose and a plan for me. Man, I can get some sight, <laughs> the right kind of sight, through the grace of God that He's given me especially in Jesus Christ. And Elijah lost that, and that's, that's why, partly why he went down and why these thoughts and emotions took over. But that helps us to transition to this last point that I'll make here. We, we recognize where these depressive thoughts and emotions come, when and how they come, but also then we need to respond in faith to God's Word and God's work. Respond. Everybody say respond. Respond in faith to God's Word and God's work. And His Word assures us of the kind of things we can believe in, we can respond to. I want to point out three of these that, again, we see in Elijah's situation and in our situation as well. God's Word assures us, first, of His presence. You'll notice God sent this messenger, the angel, was a messenger from God. And so many times in the Old Testament, when the angel showed up, essentially this was God right there. as God saying, my presence is with you. And God spoke through the, the messenger, the angel. And that's a, a key part of it that we'll come back to. The message of God was delivered to him through his presence there. And he assured Elijah, Elijah, you're not alone. There are these 7,000 people, but God himself was with him and working with him. But Elijah had to respond. He had to believe and act on God's Word. He had to believe that God was with him, that God's presence, the very presence of God, would carry him through. And then he had to act. The Lord started giving him instructions, saying, Elijah, get up and get going. I've got something for you to do. And so very important we recognize that we respond in faith, believing, trusting that God is with us. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. This is the promise of God. Hear it today. He's with you. You are not alone in your journey. You're not alone in your struggle. This is what we learned from Elijah. And by the way, you'll notice God didn't uh, succumb to the, the pity party mentality of Elijah. Did you notice that? Elijah's like, oh, God, you don't know how hard it's been. You don't understand. That's kind of the feeling we get from Elijah. Now, I know God is compassionate, and, and he brings comfort in different times and so on. But in this particular case, he says, you know, Elijah, your pity party's not helping you. Have you ever been there? No one here has ever had a pity party, have you? It's like your neighbor. Maybe they need that message. Elijah's in the pity party, and God says, no, 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 I don't do pity parties. 
thanks for inviting me, but I'm not coming. <laughs> and God says, not helping me either. Instead, he says, get up, get going, let's, let's move forward. I've got a purpose and a plan. That's the thing. God says, I've got a purpose and a plan. Let's get moving in that direction by faith. And also, God's Word assures us not only of His presence, but His provision. And you'll notice that the, the angel brought food for Elijah. He had two courses of food there. It was great. But that's not really what carried him through. That's not really what restored him physically. That's that was a big help. But what restored him was God's Word. The angel brought the message of God to Elijah, and that's what restored him to where he needed to be spiritually. That's what strengthened him on the inside. I was reminded of uh, when Jesus, you remember this, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is out in the wilderness, what we call the desert of temptation, and the devil is tempting him 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus didn't have any food or drink, and the devil comes to him at that point. He says, look, I know you're hungry. I'll turn those stones into bread for you, and you're going to have a, a great uh, Panera bread kind of meal here if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus said, you, you remember it. He said, no, not doing that. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. Not by bread, but by the word from the mouth of God. Jesus said, you know what's going to sustain me? You know what's going to restore me after these 40 days in the desert and in the face of temptation? It's not going to be the bread from the stones. It's not going to be anything physical. It's going to be the word of God from my father, and I'm going to quote it now. In fact, he was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy when he said that to the devil. He said, here it is. Here's the word, and that word is going to sustain me. And not only that, devil, this word is going to cast you out, and you're going to be of no effect in this situation. So I'm going to move on with the plan of my father. And that's what Elijah had as well. He had the message from God. He had the word from God that refreshed him and restored him. And in our lives, guess what we need? In the midst of our times, our lowest times, we need the Word to sustain us, to strengthen us. We need to be in God's Word and get God's Word in us because God will use it to bring you out of those times of depression and into times of restoration. And thirdly, God's Word assures us of His peace. Everybody say shalom. That's a great greeting. Turn to your neighbor and say shalom. Of course, it can be translated peace, that Hebrew word. Uh, it also means wholeness and wellness in the Lord. And uh, this is really, the peace of God in us is really the antidote to the pressure all around us. We're always going to have pressures, responsibilities, and, and uh, people <laughs> that attack us, and all kinds of things. Like we talked about, intense attacks and trials and uh, challenges. We're always going to have some of that in this world. But the peace of God in you is greater than the pressure around you. It will sustain you and keep you. And here's what Jesus said. I love this passage. We'll finish with this. In uh, John 14, 27, he's speaking to his disciples. So he's speaking to us, all right? Here's what he says. He says, peace, shalom. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
I was noticing this contrast here. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. I give my peace to you, not as the world gives. What do you think he's saying there? The world tries to give, or, or at times it seems like we could be at peace sort of on the horizontal level of life from something that we gain in the world. Maybe we gain enough money, we feel at peace, we feel secure. We gain uh, certain relationships and we feel like, you know, I can be kind of at peace with that. But how many of you know it's, it's, it's temporary? It doesn't last. But Jesus said, my peace is not like that. Essentially, he says, no one can take it from you. The peace of God that reigns in our heart, the Apostle Paul says it guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. No one can take that from you. No one. And that'll sustain you. That'll keep you. That'll restore you. At those points, at those moments, in those seasons, the peace of Jesus will lift you up. And he promised it. He says, I'm giving it to you. I'm leaving it with you. So what have we learned here? We continue to learn that prayer changes things in our lives. And just like Elijah, we're going to have those kind of moments and even seasons where the enemy tries to depress us and hold us down and keep us down. But God gives us wisdom. He gives us insight through his word that we're learning today, how to recognize where these depressive thoughts and emotions come from, some of the things we talked about, and then also to respond to him with faith, with obedience, to act on the purpose and the plan that he's given us. He restores us to his plan, his purpose, his perspective. Remember, we see through the, the glasses of God's grace that he has a great plan and we're of great value to him. And he lifts us up out of that low point in our lives. I don't know where uh, you are today in terms of what you're going through. Maybe you're one of the out of those three adults across America is going through a a depressed time, a difficult time in that regard, or maybe you know someone who is. I believe God is speaking to us from his word here that he wants to bring you up and out. He wants to restore you. And it comes through that relationship, that conversation that we call prayer. Bring it to God. Tell him how you're struggling. Tell him what's going on. He wants to hear from you and he wants to respond and restore you. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful that you care about every need in our lives so we can come to you. Think of how Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you promised here that you would give us peace. Lord, I pray for each one of us, wherever we are, or maybe loved ones that we have are struggling in different ways. We ask you to help us to trust you, to believe you, to respond to your word today, Lord God, that we might find in you the restoration, the strength to continue on with the good purpose and the good plan that you have. We know you're a good God, Lord, so we, we lift it up to you, believing that you will answer us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. 
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.